Welcome to another edition of Around with Randall, your weekly podcast for making your nonprofit more effective for your community. And here is your host, the CEO and founder of Hallett Philanthropy, Randall Hallett. I welcome you to this edition of Around with Randall. Today is the fourth of four in our series about campaigns. We talked about feasibility studies in the first. We talked about case development in the second talked about the advantages of maybe looking at mini campaigns instead of a comprehensive campaign strategy in the third. Today, we're going to talk about campaign counsel and some of the things that we see in the industry and maybe some things that we can do a little bit better and uh, really something maybe I've been playing with in my head for a number of years and a new way of looking at it. What is campaign counsel? Let's start from the top. This is where, after the feasibility study, you have someone, uh, normally an outside consultant, guiding you through the campaign that might last a year or two years or three years, depending on the depth of the campaign and other aspects. One of the first questions that I'm asked is, does it have to be the same consultant who did the feasibility study? Not necessarily. Depends on the quality of the firm and the people that are assigned and the relationship and the experience. But there are advantages of utilizing the same person. Uh, They obviously know the team. They know the cases. They know the uh, particularly the institution and the leadership, which might be advantageous. But the skill sets are different. And this brings to head the challenge that our industry has had in campaigns, in particular with campaign counsel. There are various models. One model is what they call a residential model, meaning someone is assigned and they are there four or five days a week. And then there's maybe what's called the ad hoc, and there may be different variations. But basically, you pay for them to be on site for the day or per hour, depending on the organization's needs. What I have found is is that campaign counsel can be, in the end, high on cost, low on experience at times, and short on delivery. And that's really what I want to spend the most part of this podcast talking about. Unfortunately, there have been too many instances, and I've had um, this experience myself, as well as had had many colleagues go through this, where a consulting group will come, present, and lay out their plan. Everybody thinks it's great. Most importantly, they like the people. A contract is signed, and all of a sudden, here comes someone that nobody really knew who may be 27 years old, who really hasn't been through this process maybe as deeply as everybody had hoped, and is not one of the people that presented in the sales process. And they end up being the assigned consultant for that particular engagement. And I find this process troubling. It's detrimental to the relationship that nonprofits have with consulting overall. It's disingenuous to some degree. 
and is something that concerns me because I think honor and honesty are foremost. On top of that, if it's a residential assignment, meaning they're there for five days a week, week in, week out, they turn out to be, or the engagement may cost as much as $50,000 a month. So what is it that I suggest in all of this? Well, let's start with what campaign counsel at the highest possible level can be. Number one is, is that campaign counsel should bring a plan to the table that creates focus and accountability. Also has experience or skill in guiding the organization, the nonprofit through that series of steps. In some ways, this plan is a series of to-dos. I like to think of it in what we've done here with How Philanthropy is 100 plus steps in building out campaign council. From right after the feasibility, how do you build out leadership? What do those job descriptions look like? To what does communication look like? To how often you're meeting? How do you set up a gift table? Uh, how do you assign the prospects? And then most importantly, how do you build relationships to go make asks? And how, what's the rigor in that? So the plan. The second part is having someone who can help you build strategy. So the first part was having the plan. The second is having the knowledge. And that comes from an experienced fundraiser, someone who's been through trial and tribulation, failure and success, that they know how to build effective strategy if it's a particular area or multiple areas, how would uh, the strategy about realizing where a prospect is at or a, a donor who's maybe a part of a campaign strategy in terms of cash versus estate giving to maximize gifts. Really, this is about the knowledge that they bring to the table in their experience and wisdom. The third is having the actual physical experience in asking people for gifts, six, seven, eight, nine figure gifts. That experience can be important because there are some organizations, the internal staff who's pressing on a campaign may not have all of the requisite experience, wisdom, knowledge, over ready to overcome fear to be able to ensure that they can go make those asks. So the first part is the plan. The second part is the experience and having built relationships. And the third is making the ask. That's a heavy lift. And that's where I kind of begin to look at this differently. I think campaign council is and should be an important part of an organization's conversation. I think it can bring great value in providing a defined direction for a foundation slash development office or advancement office. It can support the CDO in some powerful ways in best practice and can help identify challenges and create, come up with, develop creative solutions. I don't think you need someone residential per se four or five days every week. That's incredibly expensive. And for the most part, it's hard to find someone with 20, 25 years of experience to camp out on your campus for most nonprofits four or five days every week, four weeks a month 
for 12 to 24 months. Gets too expensive. And so you're left with, do I take the experience and a lot less time and the, without the rigor, or do I take the inexperience and get a lot of attention and they're on site? And I think there's a middle ground. What I would like to see and what we do a little bit differently is number one, the consultants that we put into campaign council are experienced. They have asked for six, seven, eight, nine figure gifts. They have managed campaigns and they know what the plan looks like because they've implemented it. They've built strategy with about with donors or uh, regarding asks. They're kind of what you want, and they're willing to go out and make those asks on behalf of an organization if that's a struggle for the nonprofit. I just don't think they need to be on site 16 days a month. What I advocate is kind of a modified schedule where between the client and the consultant that you look at, how often do we need someone? Can we have them there two sessions? each one, two to three days. So week one of a month, they're there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They're not there week two. They're there weeks or in week three, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and they're not present there in week four. So they're on site four to six days and you end up paying a lot less for that. But how do you then create the rigor? Well, there's the plan, the hundred plus steps, but the rigor comes from creating meetings on the weeks you're not, or the consultant's not there on Monday and Friday using Zoom, go to meeting, whatever your teams, whatever your favorite virtual meeting device is, software is. And you can create the same rigor because the rigor is all about, well, are we seeing the people that we're supposed to be seeing, particularly those at the top? Can we talk about building a strategy? And these meetings are maybe two to three hours each Monday and each Friday in the weeks the consultant's not there. And when the consultant is there, they're highly focused on very specific tasks, making donor meetings, meeting with campaign leadership, meeting with organizational leadership, and really developing strategy and even going out and asking donors, prospects for gifts on behalf of the organization if that's so desired. They have a very focused, not going to sit around and waste time, attention to detail process that they're going to follow. They're in, they do their job, and they're out. And they can provide that rigor either on-site or with virtual meetings. The other thing that I think is advantageous that technology provides us is building out a, which we have done at Hallett Philanthropy for both feasibility studies and studies involving uh, campaign council, is an online project management software system with all the steps. And that's where you're building out all of the details about what's to be done next, who's responsible for it. And you can track accountability this way and not have to be on site looking at someone with a note card or a piece of paper. Everyone can dial into that particular site to see that accountability, the responsibilities, the to dos, the duties. All of this provides some, I think, really strong benefits. Number one is, is it lessens cost by as much as 40%. Number two, you get someone as a client, a nonprofit, who's been through the challenges, 
who makes asks, builds strategies, knows the plan, maybe has a little gray hair, can guide, lead, mentor, who can resonate with leadership, who has served in different capacities throughout campaigns. You get experience. And lastly, when you overlay virtual meetings and a prospect management software system, you get accountability, a plan. What is it that the nonprofit should do? For too long, we have in this industry gone and been okay with and not challenged the old model of residential campaigns with people on site three, four, five days a week, every week. And I think there's a different way of looking at it that's less expensive, creates more accountability. But most importantly, and this is kind of the teaching tactical point, this isn't about the consultant. This is about the client. How do we maximize results at with the most amount of expertise, wisdom, experience, with the best plan for the least amount of money? That's ROI. And I've just chosen to look at this differently. Not to worry about my costs as much as I worry about the return for client. And it's proven to be successful. We're beginning to see clients look at this in a more efficient way. The other thing it does is not every client comes into the situation in the same place. Some places are highly uh, dedicated with great gift officers, and they don't need someone out asking. There are some places that need it. There are some places who can execute a plan. There are others that need a lot of handholding. This kind of model allows for scalability and sizability depending on the client, which, again, is exactly what we should be looking at. I like this modified plan. I like the new way of looking at it. And I hope that if you're thinking about a campaign, you think about it differently so that you get the most out of it to deliver the campaign and the results that are going to change your organization or parts of your organization and serve the community in a better way. That is a winning proposition. As always, I want to remind you, please feel free to email me. If you'd like to talk about the podcast, that's podcast halletphilanthropy.com. Or if you think I'm totally off, that's Reeks, R-E-E-K-S, at halletphilanthropy.com. And always want to remind you, the blogs are there. I just pushed one out about a, a tragic story with Doctors Without Borders in Africa about how we don't think about nonprofit work being dangerous. But I'm isolated in the United States. And that we probably should have a wider perspective of those who go into places uh, as nonprofit employees and and personnel to serve the greater needs of mankind, humankind. Tough story, but a good reminder about the value of nonprofits well beyond what we think about every day. Blogs are there. You can email me. And don't forget, most importantly, I hope you feel as if you are serving your community through your work you do as a nonprofit, whether it's a staff member, executive leader, or board member, that at the end of the day, nonprofits are, are, are built to serve community need, to, to listen to the left behind, the not heard, to take care of those, to help those in, in great peril, struggling with whatever challenges they have, 
to to protect the community in certain ways and preserve great assets of our community. Nonprofits have a viable and important role, and I hope you feel that same role too. Which brings me to how I end every podcast. Some people make things happen. Some people watch things happen. And then there are those who wondered what happened. That old Gaelic saying is important because we all are people who fall into one of those categories at any time that we're breathing. A nonprofit works about being someone who makes things happen for someone who watches things happen. And I hope that you know, feel that you're someone who's helping someone else directly or indirectly. It's important and people are appreciative. And if you haven't heard it today, you've heard it here from me. Thank you for what you do. I hope you feel good about it. We'll look forward to seeing you next time right here on Around with Randall. And don't forget, make it a great day.